0: Now, when King David was settled in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies, the king said to the prophet Nathan, See now, I'm living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go do all that you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord. Are you the one to build me a house to live in? I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I've been moving about in a tent. Say to my servant David, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be prince over my people Israel, and I've been with you wherever you went. The Lord will make you a house. I will raise up your offspring after you. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. I will not take my steadfast love from him. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Well it's been fun this week to see lots of our college students come home. Uh, lots of them this morning before the early service during Sunday school hour again before this one to get to hug these young men and women who mean so much to us have them come home again they've just finished final exams have just turned in all term papers but they've learned by this time to pay very close attention when a professor says something like this this is the most crucial text in the Old Testament that's what Walter Brueggemann said He was teaching at Columbia Seminary in Decatur, Georgia, when he wrote this book. And he said, this is the most crucial text in the Old Testament. Wow. I read that a couple of times. I kept thinking, 23rd Psalm, Genesis 1, 2. Uh, I could think of so many passages In 39 scrolls, in some 500 pages in the Bible that I use most, this is the most crucial text? Well, let's take a look and you judge for yourself. First of all, this business about that God lives in a tent while David now has a very fancy new palace and his new capital city. He says to the prophet Nathan, I think I'll build God a house not right for his ark to be out there in a tent, And God said to Nathan that very night, you're my man, Nathan, you go tell the king, I'm not about to live in a house, a tent suits me fine. I have not lived in a house all these years since I brought the people out of Egypt, and that was 200 years before David. For more than 200 years, I've slept in a tent, so to speak, just outside all the other tents, in this beautiful box, holding the tablets of the Ten Commandments, You see, he's not about to pin me up in one place and be assured that I will be only in his new capital city, only in a temple in his new capital city. I go where I want to and I do what I want to, when I want to, the way I want to. Be sure David understands that. Uh, Christmas is about our hearing that word again. We don't confine God to one place nor one time. Uh, God goes where God goes and God does what God does the way God wants to do it. Debbie McCumber has written that when she was a girl growing up, her family took vacations in the family car. And when they would get bored, her mom would say to them when they would come to any little town or big city, notice the names of the streets See how similarly they are named from town to town, city by city, and when there are differences. And Debbie said, surely enough, there are lots of towns who name their streets after former presidents. Jefferson Avenue or Washington Avenue. Others who name them after cities of other places. We in Tulsa have Boulder and Denver and Cincinnati and Detroit and so on. Uh, some name them after trees. You have uh, Live Oak Lane, and you have a pine bough road, whatever. But she said through the years, she had noticed rather unusual names of streets. And she kept a little diary of them. She said, for example, one time I saw one called Baby Doll Road. In Mashpee, Massachusetts, she saw one called Noisy Hole Lane. She said in Bedford Hills, New York, there was one called Suckabone And in Hyden, Kentucky, she said, she saw one called Hell for Certain Road. I wanted to know the people who lived on that one, she said. And then she said one night she and her husband were driving in an unfamiliar neighborhood and they saw one called Easy Street. And she said, let's turn here. I want to see what kind of houses there are on easy street. And he turned and we discovered it was a dead end. (laughs) Easy street, dead end. David was going to make things very easy for himself. Move the ark to his new capital city build God a big fancy house so he would have God right there whenever he needed him to do whatever David wanted. Number two. Second important thing, he said, say to my servant David, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be prince over Israel, meaning Mr. High and Mighty, let's remember how things began for you. You remember how it began. The Jews had decided they wanted no part of kings. They had had 400 years of Egyptian kings. They had discovered that kings do whatever kings want. And what they want is usually not good for those over whom they govern. So when finally they were freed, they decreed, we will never have a king. And when finally they were settled in the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, they lived as a loose confectione, it's called, Uh, an organization of tribes that whenever they had a common enemy, they believed God would lift up someone to lead them. And we have those people, their stories in the Bible, they're called Judges. Gideon, Samson, Jephthah, remember them? Deborah, Uh, these were the Judges. But after 200 years, they decided, okay, we need a king. Everybody else has a king, we need a king. Their memory had finally run out about how desperate they were in Egypt. We need a king. So the king chosen was Saul. And Samuel anointed him. Saul felt unworthy. And feeling unworthy, he made a good king. And then one morning he woke up feeling worthy. And he became a terrible king. And so God said to Samuel, Enough of Saul. We've got to find a new king. I want you to go to this little nowhere place called Bethlehem. And you'll find there a man named Jesse. Jesse has a whole house full of boys and you have them brought in one after the other and when the right one walks in I will tell you this is the one so he went down the road to Bethlehem Saul is still king what if Saul finds out he's out looking for a new king so he pretends he's checking on livestock he gets to Jesse's house and said I need to see your sons I understand you have a house full of boys I do could you bring them in please so Jesse called in the biggest tallest one Nothing there. Second son, nothing there. Number three, four, five, six, seven. Finally, Samuel said to Jesse, It's all the boys you got. No, I got one more. But he's just a boy. He's out looking after the goats right now. Called him in. And when this teenage boy walked in, Samuel's heart raced. This was the one. This was the one. David, David, this is the one. And God says now, Remember who you were? You were a shepherd. You were a shepherd in the field. And I made you a king so you know I can do what I want, when I want, how I want. Don't you forget it. Richard Snyder has written that he's finally come to retirement. He said, I've worked 38 years for one company. I think I've earned retirement now. And I announced I will retire December 31. Had no problems with my employer, he said. Had trouble with Social Security. Couldn't seem to get all those records straightened out, even though I had documented everything as carefully as I could. The Medicare office was giving me even more trouble. This went on for weeks. I trying to get an appointment, I'd get there, somebody couldn't see me, somebody else couldn't answer my question. Here it was Christmas. I drove back into my driveway infuriated with the way i'd been treated all morning and saw our christmas tree laying and leaning against the garage i'd bought it three or four days before and leaned it there intending to decorate it and that's where it had been ever since no water just leaning against the garage this is looking a little worse for wear so he said i grabbed that tree i grabbed the holder and i started in the house there was the newspaper in the driveway and I happened to glance down another big bombing in Iraq and service people killed in Afghanistan a bombing in Pakistan and people starving to death in Darfur and I said why can't the world just slow down a minute and stop all this killing till we get through with Christmas and then I thought People didn't even get ready for the first Christmas. Nobody was paying any attention to this young pregnant woman from Nazareth. No room for her. No room for Joseph. No room for her to birth her baby. They didn't get ready then. And there are many who don't get ready now. But God will do what God will do whenever he wants. Number three. David, I turned Saul out because he didn't do it the way I wanted. But I'm going to make you a different promise. I'm never going to turn your family out. Never. I will not only bless you the way I choose. I'll bless your son and his son and the son after him. I will treat your family as Father and you as my children. Dr. Brugman says this is the most crucial text in the whole of the Old Testament. Jesus would call him Father. Dr. Tankersley reminded of, uh, us of that in his beautiful prayer. That Jesus called him by that name. He was a descendant of David. A thousand years later the promises of God were still being realized. That God whispers to us, You are my daughter. You are my son. I'm so glad you've come home to me. I'm so glad. Christmas is so much about families. Wednesday, a week ago, we all heard there had been a fire in South Utica, 2700 block. And when I heard it, I immediately thought of several families that we have from Boston Avenue who live on that street. <clears throat> they gave no names. An hour after the news, about 1130 that night, I got a call. These were our people. The husband was not. He was Presbyterian. The wife was. Sharon worshipped with us. Faithfully, 8.30, not this service. She liked to get up early. She sat right back there, 8.30 service, week after week. Active in her Sunday school class. Had been through Disciple Bible and Believer Series and all kinds of things. In our most recent School of Continuing Education, she taught one of the cooking classes. She had won the award, been presented again and again as the Outstanding Attorney in Oklahoma in Matrimonial Law. Divorce. Uh, trying to help uh, women and men and particularly their children. She was very active in the Parent Child Center, served on their board, really cared about children. She and Jim had come into each other's lives some 20 years ago. Jim had two daughters. Sharon had two sons. And these six people learned to live together as family. Uh, Jim was pronounced dead, Immediately when the uh, firemen got there, when EMSA arrived, they said that he had, he had died of uh, carbon monoxide poisoning. They were able to revive Sharon just enough that they rushed her to St. John's Hospital and now began that long vigil in intensive care. And the doctors never, never led the family on. They said, out of persons who've had this much carbon monoxide poisoning, our chances that she will really wake up are maybe 3 4%. And surely enough, every day vital signs went down and down. She was on resuscitator, blowing air in and out of her lungs. And one of the reasons for that was that she had signed a donor card that whenever she died, she hoped organs could be given to somebody else, could help somebody else. Monday afternoon, Jim's funeral was held up at First Presbyterian Church. Monday night is a little after nine o'clock, I got a call. That Sharon's two sons were now ready to make some tough decisions about their mother. Would I come? I was already in my pajamas and robe. I redressed and I hurried to St. John's Hospital. When I got up to the intensive care unit, they don't allow many in one of those small cubicles at a time. When I walked into that cubicle where she had been all that time, there was one young lady, very pretty young lady, standing there holding her hand. Sharon not responding at all. And when I walked in the door, I said to this young lady, I'm Muzon Biggs, I'm the minister of Boston Avenue Church. She said, oh, I know you, Dr. Biggs, I went to school with your son, Jason. I said, really? What is your name? And she said, Jennifer Lang. And I said, oh my, Jennifer, you buried your father this afternoon. And she said, yes, I did. We chatted just a few moments and her husband came in and he said, Jennifer, we've got to go so you can feed our baby. And she said, oh my, yes, I do, I do. And I said, baby, how old is your baby? She said, five days. And so I counted back. Her baby was born the day her father died. Jennifer told me that she now lives in Little Rock, Arkansas. And she said, when I went into labor that morning, I had my husband called my dad, and I got to talk with him. I said, okay, Dad, it's today. We're about to have this baby today. And then she had some complication, and it had to be taken caesarean section. And she said, but we called my dad and told him, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And guess what, Dad? We're going to name this little boy for you. He called me back later that afternoon, she said. So three times that day I've talked to him. He wanted to be sure I was all right. The baby was fine. I assured him I was. And then about 9 o'clock, 9.30, she got the call that her father was dead and that Sharon probably was going to die as well. And I said to her, you had a cesarean birth five days ago in Little Rock, Arkansas. You went through the funeral of your father this afternoon and at almost 10 o'clock at night you were standing here holding the hand of your mother he nodded her head and I said may I hug you and she said sure and I hugged her I will be father to you you will be child to me you will be daughter and son to me brother and sister to each other number four twice it says forever forever your house your house Your kingdom, your throne, forever. 400 years after David, the Babylonians came and swept away the temple, swept away the palace, swept away the royal family. No descendant of David would ever sit on the throne again. There would be a Herod the Great. There would be a Herod Agrippa. Uh, They were not members of the household of David. There was one born whose lineage was traced to David. His name was Jesus the morning after we had the big ice storm two weeks ago today I was walking gingerly across the icy parking lot here and I saw something shining and I bent over to pick it up and it looked like a diamond it's beautifully shaped you see it Uh, beautifully shaped I turned it over and it was really beautifully shaped on the back I thought gee this is big enough That could be worth $10,000. And so I asked Brenda Reed, uh, Brenda, anybody reported losing a stone out of a piece of jewelry? She said no. I said, if anyone calls saying they've lost a stone out of jewelry, I have it. I held it 10 days. No one called. Last Wednesday, I was making hospital rounds, and I decided... Well, why not go by a jeweler who belongs to this church and ask her, is this real? She was very busy with Christmas shoppers when I got there, but she asked one of her associates to help me. He took a look at it, took his little eyepiece out, looked at it. He said, this is really good. It's, it's really good. But well, we have one more test, he said, and he brought out this little machine. You know, there's an energy in a diamond. It starts as a little bit of carbon, and it's put under tremendous pressure for thousands of years. And there's an energy in the stone that can be measured. He held this little indicator up. It even was labeled diamond not. And he stuck it down toward a very large stone in a ring he was wearing, and it went boom, diamond then he stuck it down toward this thing I had brought, and it went not. <laughs> not real. Pretty, but not real. And so many of the sons of David were not what God had in mind. And then one day, Mary birthed Jesus. The real stuff of Almighty God. And last Sunday night we stood on that last number, our choir sang. The kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Alleluia.